Digital brings you Launch Base. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The world of tech startups reimagined. Build and elevate your idea, product, and company as we take you behind the scenes with successful entrepreneurs, investors, and tech professionals. These mentors showed me a map of success. Learn from inspiring stories, business strategies, and marketing techniques that will take your business to the next level. Are you ready? And now your host, John Radford. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Launch Base. This is the podcast all about tech startups and everything digital product. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast all about people starting out on their journey. If you're a corporation looking to be more agile in your product development, then we have you covered. So on today's podcast, we are delighted to have Charles Armitage, sorry, Dr. Charles Armitage, founder of Florence, join us. Florence is a startup on a mission to change recruitment in the care home industry. Charles himself is a doctor turned CEO. He's passionate about improving care services for all with a commitment to advancing ways for staff to provide quality, compassionate care. Charles, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, John, and thank you for the introduction. I hope it was okay. You know, I've uh, I've lifted some of that from your, from your website. I can Hopefully see, yeah, I can of... see. <laughs> I can see you reading it off the screen in front of you. It's okay, I'll forgive yeah. you. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Um, perhaps you want to do a better job than me and tell tell everybody listening about what it is you currently do and where you've come from and you know, you know, your journey. It's, it's an interesting one. Sure, John, absolutely. So I am the one of the co-founders and now CEO of Florence. And we are a tech company, a post-series A tech company based out of London. And we build products that help the social care workforce across the UK makes staffing effortless and outstanding. So we have a few different products within that suite that I can talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. But our core goal really is to take what is a very people-centric industry, the social care industry, and build products that are people-centric and and help them deliver better care to their residents. Awesome. And so my background, I guess, so the story, we've, we've been going for about four years now. My background was I was a uh, surgeon before I started this and I guess saw a lot of the challenges around staffing within the NHS more than the social care. Namely, you've got this massive workforce, you know, in the NHS, more than a million, social care also more than a million, about one and a half million people work in it. And the people can sometimes be seen as a bit of an afterthought and the systems and processes they run on are really, really super archaic. And I think the first thing that kind of got me and my co-founder, Dan, thinking about it uh, and thinking how we can improve is the way that flexible and temporary staff are managed within within care. So across the UK, about 10% of all, not many people may know this, but about 10% of all shifts in healthcare are filled by a flexible workforce, temporary workforce, utterly essential part of the system because you need to be able to flex to to demand, patient demand. See that super presently now that you know, you, you need to be able to scale up a workforce really, really quickly. Yeah. But traditionally, that 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 kind of flexible element is run by these offline recruitment agencies that are really, you know, potentially inefficient, don't have a very good user experience, very expensive. And I would experience that myself as a as a doctor picking up extra shifts at sort of like weekends or you know holidays or whatever. And um, yeah. you know, spend a lot of time on phones. Recruitment agents get sent to places you don't really want to go to have no idea about what kind of situation you're walking into. And similarly, from the hospital side, the care provider side, really don't know anything about the staff member that's going to come through the door to fill that like really critical role. So we built Florence to be a marketplace, the original okay. product, 
a marketplace yeah. that connects care homes to nurses and carers looking for extra shifts. So cool. if I'm a care home and one of my members of staff has phoned in sick or, or whatever it is that I need a nurse and I pop into the app, say, I need a nurse, you know, with these skills in this place, this time, and then the product matches them to, to people in the area who can do the shift. So that's been really great. We've had a really, really exciting journey with that over the last four years and we've kind of scaled across the country, raised a few rounds of funding. Kind of our last round was about 18 months ago and we've had pretty, you know, dynamic time over the last 12 months through COVID. But, sure. you know, it's been a super exciting journey and met some really great people on the way. Uh, that's awesome. There's a lot that I want to pick out from that and a few things that I want to start on. But uh, I think the first thing I'd like to start on actually is the product itself. You said you started out as a marketplace. So you'd initially, you know, you're solving a problem. You've, you guys as founders identified a problem. You just went out to solve it. Has your product evolved or, you know, from the very first concept to where you're at now, has it evolved? Hundred percent, yeah. So, yeah, has it's evolved, it's evolved massively, and actually, we're, we're going through a bit, a bit of a change at the moment. But mm-hmm. I guess you know, critical thing about build, building a company like this is really, you know, everyone says it, understand the problem. And I think myself and Dan were lucky. I came from the doctor side. Dan, my co-founder, was came from the kind of care home side, so he had experienced this problem as a care manager, right? So mm-hmm. we really, really thought we I think we did know quite well. We definitely thought we knew the problem that we were trying to solve, which was this temporary shift worker problem. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, you go and we built our first product, it was complete complete crap and actually didn't solve the problem in any way at all. But but you talk to customers the whole time and you're, you know, driving them to shifts and you're sleeping on the floor in the nursing home and things like that, trying to get it all to work. Yeah. And you start to realize that actually the problem that you thought that really, really well-identified thing you're trying to solve is just the tip of the iceberg and actually can be symptomatic of a whole much larger problem in the way that care providers manage their workforces. And actually, maybe the fact that they they have this temporary workforce of people coming and going is a symptom of the fact that actually the underlying systems and processes they have in place to manage their own workforce is not really up to scratch. So something we're moving into a lot more at the moment is how can we give care providers the tools to manage their own staff in a more, you know, flexible, people-centric way that, you know, encourages great things like collaboration and learning development and efficiencies and all these these wonderful things. So, you know, our ultimate goal is to be the infrastructure that runs the human workforce behind health and social care. Yeah, that's a hell of a goal. And what I take from that is, and what I love about that, I was smiling, as you could probably see from ear to ear as you were saying that, is the the thing that you launched with was a piece of crap. And, uh, you know, I actually love that because, yeah. you know, some of our clients and people who work with us are fixated sometimes on that kind of that launch product. I say launch, you know, launch in brackets product. And I feel like what we can take away from this, you guys have raised 9 million so far, I think today, 9 million US. and you launched with a piece of crap, but you learn and the product has evolved and that product evolution, I think is just key. And you said you were on the ground, you were learning from your users and your customers. And, you know, that's that's just such a critical takeaway, I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can explore that in a little bit more detail. So, uh, you know, I mean, I still still know very little, but literally knew nothing at that point. And, um, Uh you know, so we had our first tiny little bit of like pre-seed capital that Mm -hmm. my co-founder, Dan, you know, stumped up. And we spent almost all of it trying to build what we saw as the 
the end end final the sort of the end state solution product, knowing absolutely nothing about our customers, knowing nothing about product development tech or anything. Mm-hmm. We got got a team of developers in another country, and we spec'd it out terribly. And we said we needed to do a thousand things, and we need it done in two weeks. And we've got this small amount of money for you to do it. Lo and behold, we get it back. You know, one sort of iteration, and it's completely it doesn't unusable. Do it. Doesn't do yeah. any of it. It's completely unusable. Completely unusable. Yeah. And so I remember incredibly stressful going. Meanwhile, by the way, we're trying to find clients that, you know, we're selling the dream. We don't have a product. So I'm going to these nursing homes and going, hey, we've got this great thing. It's going to be amazing for you. Can I come and, you know, can I come and get you set up on it? And, you know, finally one customer believed in this and then I deliver this thing and it just didn't work at all. Completely unusable. So that's when I was kind of like in this nursing home every day, like winning hearts and minds and, just like developing really close relationships with those care managers, actually, which is obviously super important. Sure. We ended up very quickly realizing that we had to scrap the entire thing we just built. And we reverted back to a Google Sheet, actually. That was our kind of MVP. So we realized, what's actually the core thing that these people want to do? Well, if I'm a care home, I want to be able to publish the shifts that I need filled. If I'm right. a, a nurse, I need to be able to see what shifts are available and sign up to do with them. And actually, that's a pretty easy functionality in Google Sheets. You just have a row of shifts and a row of nurses where they write their name in. Yeah. And uh, so we did that and it, and it you know, fulfilled that role. And actually that was you know, 90% of what the product needed to do. And the rest was kind of bells and whistles on the side. And the learning we got from that was enough to then go back and go like, right, now let's try this again and build this properly. You've defined product market fit at least through doing that, haven't you? Well, exactly. And, it was, and actually it was product market fit because to some extent we could then go back to investors and go, hey, look, it's a Google Sheet. Don't worry too much about the fact it's a Google Sheet. But what we've done is we've got a little bit of revenue. I've got some customers that I've got a good relationship with, and I've got all these learnings. And off the back of that, we were able to go and raise, you know, a few hundred, a few hundred, a few hundred k, which yeah. then are able, enabled us to bring in some great people in house to start building that product. So, I mean, one takeaway from that is don't spend all your money trying to build your first product. You know, do it yeah. with as little money as possible and as close to your customers as you can be. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think then moving on to that investment, when, once you've got that product market fit, I think possibly what, I, what I'm what i thinking is that I wouldn't underestimate the importance that you and Dan played as founders of the business, actually, because I was on a webinar the other day with a mentor to kind of young founders, a guy called Gary Smith. And he was saying that a lot of, you know, it, it's like buying people buy from people and like investors invest in people as well. And actually the fact that you've got that kind of closeness to the industry that you're working in, you're coming from a medical background, I think really helps. And I don't know if you found that in your, in your kind of investment drive, but I personally think it's played a part. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear whether you thought that it was relevant. I think, you know, it's super relevant to building trust in the industry. Certainly the people I sell to every day are like, we sell to are incredibly trust-based people. It's a very human-based industry. So that, mm-hmm. that's been really helpful. And I think actually hopefully in the culture of the company, it kind of you know makes it's us feel like as a company, we understand some of their pain points, hopefully. Yeah. On the investor side, yeah, sure. I mean, like, who, who knows? I don't know what they were thinking about when you walk into the room and they look at you. But it, it can also go both ways, though. So it's, you know, humans are really good at pigeonholing people. And I yeah. do it all the time, and I try not to do it. If I... If I I'm interviewing someone for a role or meeting someone, I you know, you want to be able to categorize them and define them in like very quickly, but as mm. in a very specific way. And actually, potentially the way people might sometimes categorize doctors is they're not very entrepreneurial, 
they're pretty yeah. risk averse and they're uh, uh, and they're kind of boxed in from that perspective. So, um, yeah. you know, wh- whether I am or not, maybe I am to some extent. So it goes both ways. You understand yeah, the market, sure. but at the same time, I have no clue about tech, right? It's, it sounds like that your background, though, has fed into the company and certainly the values of your company. Would that be fair in saying that? Uh, I mean, wh- whether it's background or not, I think, you know, myself and my co-founder, Dan, are both both very aligned on yeah. the kind of the kind of people that we want in the business in Florence. And I think we've done a really, really good job of building an amazing team that, that demonstrates this. But, you know, what do we hold as important? We hold user-centricity as being like mm-hmm. absolutely important, massively important. And also the importance of building a positive team. It's, it's kind of like one of, our, one of our values is, you know, we don't, you know, I would much rather have, if given the choice of someone who can collaborate and work closely with people, over someone who is an individual contributor who might be amazing but can't yeah. work with other people would choose the collaborator every single day of the week. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've done done a good job at kind of building that building that culture. That's awesome. So you've raised. So just jumping back a little bit, you kind of raised off the back of that product market fit. You've proven that you've gone to investors. Did you know anything about that previously? Did you have any ins with anybody, or were you just kind of doing cold sell with your pitch deck and you know? Just reaching out, essentially. And we were we were lucky in that my you know my co-founder Dan, our first kind of round of sort of external investment came from a handful of people. He, he's a little bit older than me, a handful of people he knew quite uh-huh, well. Cool. So that was helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess, but that was for like the very kind of very first. We didn't. We haven't necessarily followed like a traditional like pre-seed, seed, Series A. We've kind of we yeah. did a few a few kind of pre-seed, seed rounds on the journey. And so for that first one, that was super helpful. Yeah. But then, very, and then after that, you know, we were lucky in that those people we brought on initially, you know, are then, and we kind of demonstrated that we a bit of traction and that we're doing an okay job. And they kind of helped us introduce us to their network. And, you know, you, you start to come, become a bit more involved in the kind of early stage EIS investment circle where, um, yeah. where people tend to be quite, quite into networking and, uh, and passing on. So that was helpful. Great. Cool. And so, like moving forward, you've you've kind of raised that money. Your first hires. Let's talk about your first hires and what that what that was like for you guys as a company. And you know, any tips that you can pass down for kind of the first? Because I think you know, in the growth of a company, the first kind of few hires are really crucial for kind of establishing those values that you have now that you're very proud of, as you mentioned. So, mm. what? Who were the first hires? What did you look for in them? And you know, what was important to you guys? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, at that point we were making the first hires, I had, you know, a fraction of the learnings of what I have now. So, mm-hmm. you know, didn't necessarily approach it with a particularly rigorous system about what we were looking for. Yeah. We absolutely massively lucked out on our first two hires, our kind of first marketing and first technical technical hires. They really, right. you know, were super formative for the company and got us off the ground. So, you know, we, we really lucked out there. But... Yeah, I would be lying if I I'd be lying if I said, you know, it was, you know, we were we were we had a really rigorous and structured thing checklist of what we were looking for, mm-hmm. and we we were just very lucky. That's okay, you know, you need I think you need a little bit of luck. Mm. So let's kind of move on to where you guys are at now. You know, mm. that journey. What's that journey been like from? I think you said it was 2016 that you guys founded the company. 2016, yeah. 2017. You know, we're four years on now. Let's yeah. talk about where you're at now. How you got to where you're at now, and then kind of circle back for the last year and how, what the impact that that guy's, sure. if any, has had on you. 
Yeah, so um, today we've got a team of about 70 people great. across kind of few offices. Great, great, great bunch of people. I uh, mm-hmm. love them all very, very much. And nice. yeah, so we're, you know, it's been, it's, it's been a fun few years. And we, I guess we are kind of big kind of step up as we did our, it's like a series A round, investment round in towards the um, end of 20, 2019. Yeah. And there was definitely kind of a, with that came a bit of a step change in how we operate. And, you know, I think you've always got to be ready to reinvent yourself at every opportunity in, in, in something like this. And actually, I was literally just on the phone to someone from Florence. She said to me just now that if you're not willing to accept change or you're, you're not willing to embrace change, then Florence is definitely not going to be a place where you enjoy working. But I think that's quite relevant because yeah. if you're the, the, this kind of changes and machinations in what you do as a team and what you produce and who you are and all these things, as you scale up, it changes massively. You know, yeah. when you're fewer than when you're fewer than when you're sort of five or six people sitting around the same table, communication's really organic. You don't have to worry about anything like that. It's just people doing their jobs, you can work together and it's great. And then you get to about, you know, 15 people and you start having like maybe a management layer and people reporting into other people and then yeah. but you're still kind of all aware of the same conversations you sit in the same room and then suddenly now today you know we've got kind of three offices around one scotland london and uh, an offshore team and and you know a few different layers of management structure and lots of different teams doing very specific things and the way you have to reinvent the way you communicate as a company and the way you operate and share information is um Definitely, you have to be incredibly conscious around that. Did you have anyone helping with you with that, like any mentors or coaches to kind of help with that transformation from within? Like, you know, because some some founders or young entrepreneurs, they're great entrepreneurs, but they're not necessarily experienced at all in actually running a business and scaling up a business. Mm. Did you guys have anyone to help, or did you and your co-founder kind of have a grasp of that? I mean, neither of us. Neither of us have done it before, so we're we're sure. all making it up. We're all yeah. making it up. But uh, you know, we've been lucky that on the way that we've you know we you, you kind of you kind of meet people and whether they invest or just become friends or whatever, you meet people that you can go to counsel. And actually, one of the you know again key key thing for me is if you I guess if you want to be an in inverse commerce you know successful with building a company is you just have to be so open to learning and just be like searching out people's opinions and thoughts on all sorts of different stuff you don't need to necessarily take it all but you just mm-hmm. need to have it ingrained that you want to like reach out and like listen to that podcast or read that book or pick up the phone and talk to someone who's a few steps few years ahead of you and just work through problems together um and that for me just be super open to to wanting to learn and wanting to to, to develop like that that's amazing advice and something that resonates with this uh, session that I was on, as I mentioned earlier with Gary Smith, in that in the, the investors, that's what they're looking for in young entrepreneurs. So it's, it's amazing that you've hit on that because they, they want a little bit of an ego. They want some drive, but they also want someone who's open to advice or open to listen or open to change and is naturally curious. Like having a natural curiosity, I think, is, is essential in a successful entrepreneur. 100%. So yeah, it's, it's it's awesome you touched on that. So I like the fact that we haven't mentioned it yet, but we're going to because naturally, given the industry that you're in, we're going to talk about COVID. You know, the care home industry in the past year has has received, I think it's fair to say, a little bit of negative press in terms of COVID and what's gone on and everything. I'm just interested to hear it from from your eyes, really. What's 
what the last year has been like for you guys? Uh, how, has it impacted you at all? Yeah. Obviously, I'm guessing maybe you've been even busier than you've ever been. I don't know. But, you know, it'd be great to hear your take on it all. Yeah, I mean, the last year has been, you know, very interesting. And, I've, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, we might be coming out of the other side of it soon. But, mm-hmm. you know, my we, primary I, feeling, my primary feeling, having reflected on it, got to the end of it, is actually like how kind of grateful I am for being in the position that I'm in. You know, our users every day are like on the ground, in harm's way, dealing with really, really challenging situations. And then kind of, you know, that filters through. And, uh, you know, as stressed or as busy or whatever as we've potentially been, you know, very grateful that sitting in my nice flat in South London and working hard, right? But at least I'm safe and I've got good job security and all that stuff. So Absolutely. so it's been so very grateful but how's the you know how's how's it been on a ground level it's been super challenging for for the care homes so you know you definitely read about it in the news that dealing with massive potential outbreaks some of heard some really terrible stories about what people have had to deal with and seeing like their residents and colleagues dying we've had a few you know I've really sadly had a few kind of Florence users unfortunately pass away and I'm so sorry. you know I'm just I, I'm very grateful for the care that they've been providing and I'm just uh, think, think they've been through really really challenging times from from us from a, from a business perspective, it's been difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to spend twenty twenty growing probably two or three hundred percent, and we haven't achieved that. the The main challenge has been that, you know, care homes have been on lockdown. So one of our, I guess, primary primary business model is helping staff pick up extra shifts in different care homes, which has been, you know, l- limited. So yeah, we've had to we had so. to do kind of a big pivot last year to change it change the way we operated from just doing individual kind of ad hoc shifts to like much longer term contracts to putting in loads of safety precautions around testing and symptom tracking and isolation and all these things which I think have been pretty good and it's been very good muscle building for us as an organisation sure. you know being able to develop those skills of how we like triage problems, work out what the most pressing thing and the biggest impact we can do and then executing on it quickly. But the problem is you end up we end we've ended up working like super duper hard. Um and you haven't necessarily seen the numbers going the right way, which is which is, you know, it could be a hell of a lot worse. But um that that, that that's that's been challenging to deal with as an as an organization. But there are some kind of positive takeaways you can take from that, I guess. And you've got kind of new potential new product lines or like you say you've got some learnings in terms of being able to yeah. pivot the crisis and yeah 100 percent. and i think i go back to it again but you know the the skills we've learned as a team in being able to listen to our customers do the right thing at the right time make high quality decisions and then execute on them like convincingly and with pace in order to better serve our customers has been, I think, really, really beneficial. That's amazing. And I love how it it keeps coming back to your customers as well. So you're kind of really, like you say, user-centric and and that's it. That's a a brilliant thing that you've touched upon quite a few times and that definitely people can take away from this. So let's talk about, you know, moving forward and some more kind of positivity and what the product roadmap looks for you guys and what, what the future is. So I guess you know for us, for us, as I said earlier, kind of we, we we feel we're just like hitting the tip of the iceberg, which is this this problem of you know flexible shifts within social care. But it's an industry that's like absolutely ripe for high quality products to improve people's lives, absolutely. and it's behind basically every other industry in terms of their sort of product adoption. So so yeah, so we're you know we 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 
love learning and development. We think it's really important. Uh, and so one of our, it's actually kind of like almost a product that we stumbled across accidentally. Actually, we uh, rewind a little bit. When a nurse works on Florence or a nurse or a care worker works on Florence, they have to do a number of sort of training modules to make sure that they can, you know, their, their food hygiene or, you know, infection control training is up to date. Now, we're having real challenges getting those training modules in from external providers. So we're like, hang on, why don't we just like build our own learning platform and get it accredited and so we can just do that ourselves and integrate it into the platform just to receive mainly to alleviate, alleviate quite a bad customer service um, or customer success headache. Yeah. So we built that. That work did the job we needed it to do. We've kind of incidentally have seen care homes pick up on this platform that we have out there for free and they use it to manage, train their own staff and onboard their own staff. So we're like, oh, that's pretty cool that people see that kind of value. Why yeah. don't we, you know, do a few small product development things and get it so it becomes actually quite useful for them that they can manage their own staff's training and make sure it's up to date and, you know, people get reminders and all that kind of stuff. So that's one piece for Academy. That's quite fun. And then the other thing is, you know, I guess a problem that we sometimes have is because we're the, Florence is kind of there sometimes as the, the the tool of last resort when, you know, someone's not turned up for a shift, they go find a nurse on Florence. Well, how can we more deeply embed ourselves within the workflows of these care homes? And how can we use a lot of the tech and learnings that we've built to give them the tools to manage their own workforce? So Florence Rota is uh, a rostering platform to help care homes manage their own staff like we manage our workers. I love it. This is becoming a full-on toolkit for care homes, essentially, from kind of recruitment yeah, I mean, to actual staff retention and management. Yeah, ultimately. And I, again, I was listening to an interesting um, podcast on this the other day. But you know, what do you want to do? You want to build a you want to build a category defining company, right? And the category that we work in is that we want to be we are the social care work, we are a social care people management platform. And in order to define that category, you need to touch every single you need to own the entire space. So, and the more value you can provide to your customers in that, the sticky you can get them, the more in love with your products they can be. And uh, I think that's how you how you ultimately win. I agree, and I think you're going to do it. <laughs> the social care well, management product. That's it, Charles. It's been fascinating talking to you. I think we could go on for ages. We are we're reaching the end of our time now. Is there any kind of parting comments you would like to pass down? to people just starting out? To people just starting out. Well, first off, I think just do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, you, you always give people the advice, just, just effing do it. And um, Well, that's what this podcast was going to be called before we called it Launch Base. We, it was oh, going to nice, fucking launch it. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you you know you but maybe sell maybe you don't often follow your own advice on that front and you can kind of get slightly paralyzed and analysis paralysis or whatever but you know the point where the point where you take you know there are a few kind of step changes one is where you take an idea floating around into your head uh, first stage you know write it down on like write a document right do some slides write a business plan think about it think about what you need to do and that you don't need to like quit your job to do that you can just do that evenings and weekends then. I guess that it's turning into a side hustle and thinking about how you can, like, is there any traction? You know, maybe that stage of me talking to some care homes and getting on a Google sheet, that could have been done as a side hustle. Yep. But ultimately, the only time you ever make real progress, I believe, is when you give it 100%. Because to 
make something really work, it doesn't just require 100%, right? It requires 80 hours a week. Yeah. So you can't you do 80 know. hours a week if you've, got, if you've got another job. So the point where you make that commitment and dive in is the point where things start to really pick up. And then add into that, if you hire some people, then you know you exponentiate your ability to do things. So just sure. effing do it, as you say. Just do it. I love it. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on the success so far and you know, best of luck with the continued growth. Cheers, John. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Charles. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of LaunchBase, brought to you by Born Digital. Mission complete. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. For more info and to stay connected off the show, visit launchbase.fm.